0: The world reads from Sharjah live with Alia Ahmed and Aisha
1: good morning we are live from Sharjah Expo Center this is Aisha and Mazmi here with me we have Ahmed Dawood and Alia Lahzami we are gonna be your guides for the next couple of days as we take you through the 39th edition of the Sharjah International book fair.
2: That's right. Uh, it's day two of this uh, incredible event, an unprecedented event at that. Uh, the uh, 38th uh, Sharjah International Book Fair and it's uh, a virtual and a physical event as well and it's taking place until the 14th as well. So uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. At least a thousand publishers from 73 countries are participating. 80,000 titles in the halls here at Expo Center Sharjah. And we also look forward to discussing uh, the sessions, what's on the agenda, and uh, various uh, happenings and events from around the event.
1: Today, we have a fun-filled hour. Trust me, guys, when I say this, we're going to be talking about some of His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al-Qasimi's publications because he's got a lot. I mean, he is the ruler of Sharjah and a big advocate for literacy, reading, and books, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit. We do also have a small... We went through the halls yesterday and spoke to some of the visitors and the guests of the Sharjah International Book Fair, and we asked them the question that has been plaguing everybody's minds for the longest time ever and it is physical books versus ebooks we want to know what do you guys prefer and i think some of us are divided against that as well apparently some people prefer physical books and some of us prefer ebooks we also have iman bin Sheba, the founder of sale publishing she's going to be joining us later on in the hour so guys when i tell you that This is your guide for the Shard International Book Fair. This is the truth. So stay tuned to all of that and much more right here on Pulse 95.
3: This is Pulse 95.
1: His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al Qasimi as an author. His Highness Sheikh Sultan bin Muhammad. Al Qasimi. He is the ruler of Sharjah and he is a massive advocate of writing, of reading, of books. Hence why we have the 39th edition of the Sharjah International Book Fair, a well-known event across the Middle East and probably and most likely the entire world. I mean, last year, Sharjah was the book capital of the world and had a lot of appearances across lots of cities. Today, we're going to be highlighting one of the many books His Highness has written. This one was released in 2018. It is called Bibi Fatima and the King's Sons. Let me just read the foreword to give you just a little bit of a synopsis of the story about. It says this is the story of an ambitious woman who clings to the faltering rule of the kings of Hormuz under the Portuguese occupation. The novel offers a detailed description of social life in Hormuz while touching upon the military, political and economic situation prevailing at the time.
3: Yes, first published in 2018 the book is now translated into several languages such as English German and French interestingly the book is um, historical fiction but it is very realistic in a sense that whatever happened in the book could have happened in real life it discussed um, the how much someone would cling to the rule and what are the economic and political factors uh, that would take place and uh, Interestingly, it discusses the Portuguese occupation uh, Mm -hmm. as that is the time frame that the book took place in.
2: Yeah, and uh, the amount of research put into developing this is uh, quite extensive, in fact. Uh, This is uh, pretty accurate historically, many aspects of the book, that is. And what I'm drawn to as well about this book is the style of it. It's written in this uh, rather simple style, and uh, there's a great attention to detail. So everything is listed from the various currencies used in the territories in the kingdom of Hormuz, uh, the various foods they ate, the Mm -hmm. exact number of married people in any given situation. And there's something really interesting about those details, the way they're laid out one by one, it feels real and it puts you there and it keeps the text moving and it gives it this momentum. So I found that really fascinating as well. It, this style of it is very unique.
3: Yeah, and what I enjoyed about it is that it kind of felt like a play. So yeah. while I was reading it, I felt like I was part of the narrative and I was watching them right in front of me. So it would be
1: very Uh, easy to develop it into a real place absolutely i think that the reason why it's simplistic is very very necessary because when you talk about history there's always like a whole lineage to follow there's a lot of things and details that you need to follow along and you as a reader you might get overwhelmed by it especially since this uh transpires over two centuries so it transpires over the 16th and the 17th century. So at some point you just need a moment to follow all the kings and the queens and the princes and since it's also about the portuguese occupation it means that there are other people also involved so there are so many names to follow so many groups of people because during that era and during that time there were so many different ethnicities and so many religious groups that were basically thriving in that area. So for you to follow this, I feel like it was very necessary that the text should be simple and not too overwhelming.
2: Yeah, and I think it enhances the text as well. I mean, when you're when you're rendering something like this, uh, a historical a period, uh, an old, a place that a lot of people today are not familiar with, and you want to relay that to a reader and have them feel a, an emotional impact, you've got to put them there somehow. And the way it sticks to the surface and draws out these details that a lot of people wouldn't think to mention it puts you there, and you feel like you're part of it, and the simple language as well is what gets you feeling like this isn't even a historical novel, I'm right there, and I'm living this, and it's pretty compelling stuff. So I think it brings you closer to the text, it brings you closer to what the characters are going through, and it really enhances uh, the human aspect to the text and makes it more emotionally engaging.
3: Definitely, and um it's very accessible. You don't really need to have that much of a background in order to understand what's happening. Absolutely. The uh, Portuguese impact on the region has been great and immense, but it's not discussed as often. Mm-hmm. But His Highness does a great job in so many of his books talking about that part of history and how it impacted our ancestors and the region accordingly.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a part of our history whether it is uh, the entire uh, gulf region or the uae itself we often hear about the british empire and their british uh, occupancy in the uae or the Trucial states back then but we rarely hear about the portuguese i mean i personally when you think about it if i think about the the last time i heard of it was probably in my history class back when i was in eighth grade and i feel like there's a massive gap in the information or just in our when it comes to just facts when, what, about what people know Across the entire exactly, UAE, yeah. like, do you know anything about the uh, Portuguese op- occupation? Like, not really, uh, yeah. to be honest. So so you have to dig into the national
3: archives exactly. in order to really know what
1: happened. Exactly. So I really like the fact that His Highness often talks about. Uh, the various occupations the Trucial states went through, whether it is in the Gulf region or a bit across the sea, or basically in the entire region. So it is very vital that we have this sort of information, and I, again, I really enjoy the fact that it's very simplistic, easy to follow, and like you said, does not require any sort of background.
2: Indeed, and uh, for those just tuning in, we're discussing uh, B.B. Fatima and the King's Sana historical novel written by His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad al-Qasmi, Supreme Council Member and Ruler of Sharjah, one of many texts uh, that His Highness has written. He's got a very keen interest in history, and uh, this novel really unravels uh, that particular time period and does it in a way that is simple and engaging to people, and uh, like you said, uh, Alia, very accessible.
1: Well, there we go. Here is one of the many books you can find right here in the Sharjah International Book Fair. This is written by His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Muhammad Al-Qasimi back in 2018. And like we said, it is available in the book fair. I believe it is available in Hall 7. Yes. And I think it was also Hall 5. So guys, if you want to by any of his highness's books This is where you should be going to Coming up next We spoke to some of the guests and visitors At the Sharjah International Book Fair And we asked them a very important question Do you prefer ebooks Or do you prefer physical books And I think it's going to be a fun debate right here As we chat about it Between myself, Aisha Al-Mazmi Ahmed Dawood And Ali Al-Hizami
3: False 95
0: The world reads from Sharjah live with Alia, Ahmed and Aisha.
3: And we are back. I'm Alia al-Hizami along with Asal Mazmi and Ahmed Dawood. Today we will be discussing a pressing question in the reading world. Do you prefer physical books or e-books? Let's see what the Sharjah International Book Fair guests had to say about that. Nothing can beat the actual feel and the smell and the touch of a book itself, and also if you're a person who studies then you can uh, a book is much easier to go backwards and forwards in and to make uh, and to make notations in them in the margin and actually just has generally a more scholarly feel to it and of course libraries are a wonderful place i mean libraries i mean i I could write a book about wonderful libraries that i've sat in the atmosphere the the inheritance that you get the the atmosphere of a library and a physical book
1: cannot be beaten so i like normal books because they have a different vibe to it and the feel, the touch, the smell, all of it just makes me feel like I'm in a different place altogether and it just makes me happier
3: and I feel more at peace. Physical books, I think most of the readers will agree
2: with the experience of the book, touching the book, the smell of the pages.
0: I think it gives a unique experience for every reader. Definitely e-books for me. I've been an e-book reader for the past maybe five or six years and it has transformed my reading habits completely. So before using my Kindle, I used to read about 10 books or 12 books a year with the kindle because of the ease of the device because of how you've got access to all the books that you might not find here or take a bit of time until they get delivered and so on you've got instantly the access to everything and it just transforms you so now i'm reading about from 10 now i'm reading about 40 books minimum and it's just because it gives you access to not only all books as well all genres that you don't necessarily have here and those uh, so on uh, the lighting of the device is so easy on the eye so it's not like the the ipad and the iphone and yeah i love it absolutely.
1: I I agree, fully agree that I'm with e They're just super convenient. I can have them anywhere in any device. I can, because I have uh, mostly Apple products, I can simply put them in my iCloud or in my books application and then just access it no matter where I am. Actually, there is a book that I've been slowly reading, very slowly reading for quite a while, for I think maybe two years. going back oh, wow. and forth to it. Here, okay, first of all, confession, guys. I used to be like an avid reader, like book after book, book after book. And then when I got to university, somewhere halfway through, I just got... I don't know what happened to me. It's like I went from this many books to like barely getting through one (laughs) book a year. Happens to the best of us. (laughs) So this, this book was like one of the few series that completely grabbed my attention. But it is a massive book. Like I was reading it on my phone. So it was around nearly 2,000 pages per book. So when I got to the second one, I had to take a bit of a break because it had a lot of action going. So it was a bit overwhelming. And then when I did get the energy to go back to it and read it, It was, I would have changed like around maybe two or three devices, including my laptop and my phone. And I was like, oh my god, I don't really remember the exact page. I remember kind of where I was. But the moment I opened my books out, and because I have iCloud and everything is saved across all my devices, it gave me the exact page that I left off a year ago. Yeah, I agree they're more accessible but in
3: regards to preference, I'm definitely team physical books. It's just it just feels different. The smell, the feel, the sensation that it gives you some might say it's criminal but i like breaking the back of my book highlighting Uh-oh. taking notes underlining i pretty much like having a conversation with my book and i feel like as much as i would want to get into ebooks it, it just doesn't feel different i can't talk to my ebook the way i talk to my physical book <laughs>
2: I would say uh, for me, I mean, it it, it comes down to what am I getting out of a book. Uh, The the experience of holding it as opposed to reading it on my phone doesn't affect me too much. At the end of the day, I'm processing text. And the more convenient way to do it for me is to do it on my smartphone because I'm always on the go. To buy books and fill space in your home is something I tend to avoid, not just with books, but other aspects. (laughs) So uh, for me, I tend to stay away from it. And I think... The book reading apps, they've come up with some really good ones um, with many functions, note-taking, annotations, bookmarks. You could do a lot, uh, and you could own a vast library of books just within your smartphone. So I think I like the way things are heading, and for me, I like ebooks.
3: <laughs> I think it should be a combination of both because at some point, you need to stop staring at the screen. Your oh, yeah. eyes need to rest. Your brain needs to rest. So it's good to have a
1: physical book on the side, but you can do both. That is actually a very good point because I feel like even though I do prefer ebooks, I'm 90% preference ebooks, I do still feel just somewhat just nostalgic to the feel of a book. And I do have um, like a big shelf, but unfortunately I had to give away a lot of books. So I'm like, okay need to like just skip them away it's okay you don't need to just keep on stacking and stacking and stacking because I agree with Ahmed also that sometimes although libraries and just seeing shelves and shelves are very aesthetically you know pleasing to the eyes but if you just keep on hoarding which I am a massive (laughs) book hoarder (laughs) as I know pretty sure you guys are as well Absolutely. sometimes it gets a little bit too much and you're like okay I need a to some space, some empty space yeah. here. So going with a you know an online library yeah. is a bit also yeah. another way of having like you know aesthetically pleasing on your phone. I w- I think it would be the best day in my mom's life if
3: I switched <laughs> into e-books because she keeps throwing my books away thinking I would Uh-oh. not notice and it's
1: just don't throw my babies away. No, yeah. Alia's mom, if you're listening. Please do not throw away Alia's books. You should. I mean, they're your babies and if you feel like, okay, I can let my baby be passed on to somebody else where they share this yeah. wisdom, that, that should be your choice. Exactly. <laughs> and uh,
2: for, for e-books as well, if eye strain is a concern, there are uh, e-book readers uh, that uh, pretty much have dim lighting and, and, well, yeah, and such. Yeah, true. Uh, it's pretty interesting, I think, the way we're heading. I've been seeing a lot of uh, independent authors who pretty much make their name online look into alternate routes uh, to putting their name out there and putting their art out there as well and uh, they do it via the e-book. Uh, it's an access Formats uh, and uh, one we've been seeing a lot in many ways, and uh, there are pretty interesting things you could do with it. I've seen, for instance, uh, experimental writers use hypertext within their eBooks, so you click around and it takes mm. you to different places. So I mean, there's a potential there uh, in terms of playing with, with things a lot. So I think that's another as- interesting aspect to it. Is you can play with things in a very interesting way, and uh, that might be one appealing aspect, but for mo- for the most part, 99% of books, it's not going to be the case. <laughs> it's going to be a regular experience. I actually,
1: what you mentioned earlier about the um, e-book readers, uh, one of them being the Kindle. Everybody knows what a Kindle mm. is. And the Kindle itself, I always thought that it's going to be very similar to a phone screen, when it's actually very, very different. It lo- literally looked like a book. It and does. It, it felt so weird. I was like, am I really holding a device? So technology has gone really far, so for those people who want it to look like, you know, something that is not as stark as a phone screen, I think like one of those ebook readers would be a great idea, but I think you're right in the sense, how do I smell a book? I can't (laughs) smell
3: a Kindle. Yeah, for sure, but at the end of the day, we shouldn't fight development, we shouldn't, Mm. I prefer the traditional method, obviously, but that doesn't mean that I would fight technological advancements, because at the end of the day, they're here for a reason and we need them, so don't find them.
1: Find them. Embrace them. them. <laughs> Absolutely. Embrace technology when it is beneficial and convenient. Yes. Coming up next, we have a lovely interview with Iman bin Sheba, the founder of Sale Publishing. So stay tuned for that and much more right here as we take you across Sharjah International Book Fair.
3: You're listening to Pulse 95. Oh, this is Pulse 95.
1: Sharjah International Book Fair Agenda.
2: Hi everybody, good morning. Welcome back to the program, uh, our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair with me, Ahmed Dawood, Ali Al-Hazami, and Aisha Al-Mazmi. And uh, we've got a pretty packed show today. In fact, joining us is uh, the CEO, the founder of Sale Publishing, Iman Bin Shaba. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Good
0: morning. Hi. Thank you, Ahmed, for introducing me.
2: Thank you for coming in. Uh, so uh, you're the founder of Sale Publishing. It's a publishing house. You've got magazines, uh, books, novels, poetry, ebooks, books an online magazine. You've got a lot going on and it's been a pretty challenging time for publishers uh, in the region and around the world as well. So why don't we start the conversation by talking about this year, how it's been for you as an independently owned publishing house and where that's heading.
0: It's been really, really interesting. It's been a complete different shift. Uh, we've been pushed uh, in different ways that kind of helped us push the business in directions that we were a little bit taking our slow and you know, our sweet time in. Um, so obviously when the pandemic started, uh, you're talking about all the book fairs being cancelled around the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for majority of the local publishers or the regional publishers in, in the Arab world, majority of our sales are done in book fairs. So when you're cancelling that, you're cancelling like 80% of my revenue. Um, And we've got always problems with book distribution, with bookshops and so on. So always the question is like, so what are we gonna do now? How are we gonna sell books? So we've always had the idea, we wanna do an online store for our books, but we always kept saying, it's like, it's okay, it's fine. We don't need to do that. But this pandemic actually pushed us to do that. And it helped us go online, start to interact more with our readers, uh sell our books online, uh, they get the books within a couple of days, maximum, sometimes within one day. Um, and it has been very interesting to see that kind of interaction, especially with the new books, to see directly who wants to buy it on spot and the kind of happiness that the authors get when seeing the book. So I feel like it kind of pushed us to go in directions that were actually meant to be eventually. Um, and, and I think that's where the beauty of it
3: yeah and because of the pandemic so many have shifted into reading and publishing online and since you've been doing this for a really long time you kind of had the lead in that situation so what advice do you give publishers and readers alike to navigate through this transition so the digital publishing has
0: been very interesting and i think problematically in the middle east because the international publish international reading platforms have been holding back the arab reader in general for the past few years because Um, For instance, you've got Amazon, you've got uh, Apple Books, Coba and so on, have been not allowing people who have a Middle East address to have access to the worldwide digital books. Um, But only in the past year or two did Amazon finally open up when it comes to the Middle East reader and actually allow them to have access and start to give publishers from the Middle East access to publish their digital books there. And I think it has been very interesting because you're talking about big publishers from Saudi Arabia and so on releasing first the digital uh, copy of the book before the print, which has never happened before. And like mm-hmm. the thing is, they've been forced to do that because what are you going to do? You can't do a print. And we talk about the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was so afraid of holding the print because, oh, my God, print is going to give me the virus. <laughs> yes. um, so it has been very interesting to see that shift and people are like, Okay, I would rather hold a device and read the book because I actually want to read the book anyway. Um, and I think that kind of shift has been interesting. Some people have been holding back when it comes to publishing. They're like, no, it's just a trend and it will pass. I'm not going to invest my money into it. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to pass. I think." it's a growing thing I, don't, I mm-hmm. do not think it will replace I am not one of those who's, who's, who's saying that but I do believe that this is a market and this is a market and those are two audiences that you want to leverage on and shouldn't lose on one or the other
1: absolutely because just like you said there's two audiences there's two different groups some of them might move towards ebooks some of them might never ever just like no we're too much we love this we're not going to move towards it so it is very important to capitalize on both groups and also talk about convenience I mean I spoke to you yesterday right? and you were part of <laughs> Our pop from earlier yeah. And you were a massive advo- advocate for eBooks. And I was joining you and I was telling you that's absolutely correct There's just some sort of Just an ease of going from one um, One edition to another absolutely. From one part to another True. And also, you're also helping the lazy people like myself
0: <laughs> Well, I'm included
1: yeah. in that category So don't worry about it I love that going out and shopping. Don't yeah. get me wrong, shopping yeah. is a lot of fun, whether it's shopping for clothes, shopping for books. When I walk around the book fair, it's a lot of fun just, you know, watching everybody b- browse through books. But sometimes I'm sitting at home and I'm like, I want to buy something. Exactly. Anything. I was like, oh, I remember all those lists of books I want to go through. So then it's so convenient to have an online store, go through it and just buy whatever I want. Absolutely. And we were also having this conversation yesterday with His
3: uh, Excellency Ahmed Barakat, the chairman of the Sharjah Book Authority and the concept of the sensation that you feel once you read and touch and smell a book so when it comes to online reading how do you connect to that right. book <laughs> so
0: here's the thing i've got Tell a theory me. about that
3: <laughs> and you know that Ali. <laughs> of course we always have this discussion
0: right. so yes i truly believe the smell of the book is so important and it gives you that kind of sensation and takes you on the track on the journey with the book but at the end of the day, I want to read the words mm-hmm. yeah. in whatever mm-hmm. format they come. If it's going to be on Kindle, if it's going to be on an iPhone, if it's going to be on a book, if it's going to be on a laptop, whatever it is, I just want to read. So if someone enjoys this and not the other, by all means, I want them to enjoy the, the, the reading. At the end of the day, you cannot tell me that, no, because you've read it on a Kindle, it's not considered reading. It's like, really? Mm. Really? Um, so that's like those <laughs> people. Is reading, yeah. People <laughs> exactly. actually say that? Yeah, yeah. And like, some insane. people actually say on Audible as well the same. And I get... The, the audible, point, yeah. but still, you're consuming the same content. And, and there's a lot of people who would, consu- who would consume an audiobook much deeper than a person who would read it. So there is no one or the other in this. I think we each consume content and books in a different way. And I think just because someone enjoys audio more than the other, it doesn't mean that the other is wrong or, or correct or whatever. It's just like we're all different in the way we consume data. And at the end of the day, what matters is we consume books.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. I love those last words, said. Those are, honestly, they're inspiring me as somebody who is, again, a shway lazy every once in a while. <laughs> and uh, tends to feel like sometimes like I'm I'm behind when it comes to reading. Because I, I feel like out of everybody over here, I represent the people who are trying to make a comeback into reading because I haven't read for quite a while. We're going to continue this discussion with the founder of sale publishing, Iman Bin Sheba, after this short break. So stay tuned. You're
0: listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. The world reads from Sharjah.
3: Live with Alia, Ahmed, and Aisha. And we are back. This is Alia el with Ashan mazmi and Ahmed Dawood. We have with us the lovely and amazing Iman Bin Shabat, the you, CEO and founder of Sale Publishing. Uh, Ahmed and I were actually discussing Sale yesterday and we were talking about how it feels more like a home Aww. than a publishing house. I'm and we so really happy that. love that vibe. And we feel like it's just this amazing community yes. where everyone connects. And it's just very comforting and comfortable to be That's around. So, what advice would you give people who are into writing but kind of scared to jump into publishing, or they want to publish but don't know how or where to go? Alright, so it's interesting that about that. Um, A lot of times we get people who
0: are attempting to write but didn't really write, uh, and like they would come. The problem is like, I I get kind of upset when the first question they ask is. when would I sell my first million copies? I'm like, for real? (laughs) (laughs) For real, really? This is your question? Or like, um, how much money am I going to make in the first year? I'm like, This is not how you get into it you gotta write because you've got that story that you want to share you gotta write because you've got that edge that you want to just get on the paper that Mm -hmm. should be your passion you don't go into it because oh i want to be popular or oh, i want to make money yes of course that comes as a side effect we're not saying that you do not want to have that Mm -hmm. but you gotta write because you love writing you've got a story you want to share you've got a plot you want to work on you've got an opinion that you want to share those are the things that matter the moment you at least get that on board that you know what is it that you want to get on writing start writing don't wait Mm -hmm. and I think it's a matter of continuously writing and writing and the practice of writing to help you hone that skill and actually keep going on with it and after you do write you've got to revise and edit and so on because you will spot a lot of things in your writing and I'm sure you know about that you've written like two novels so far and like the number of articles that you've written and so on so you gotta edit your work you gotta go through it and see from a critical eye And most importantly, you got to read from the genre you're trying to write. If you want to write articles, try to read what are the other articles out there to understand the structure of them. If you want to write po- uh, uh, poetry, if you want to write novel, whatever it is, try to read from that genre. You can't come in and say, I'm going to reinvent the wheel because you're just wasting so much time trying to figure out something that has already been figured out before you. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, that's I, I've come across that quite a bit. Uh, a great deal of poets even here within the book fair, they say they don't read much themselves. And
0: I don't get those. Yeah, I, I don't genuinely either. don't. I
2: mean, it's something you've got to engage with. It's a long history. And if you're going to, like you said, reinvent create something unique and different, you've got to be familiar with conventions, with what happened before you, uh, and you you form your own sensibility that way. You look at what works, what doesn't, what affects you, what affects others, and you start forming your own object in the way you want. What I'm interested in asking you about is the culture of reading and writing here in the United Arab Emirates. As someone who runs a local publishing house, can you talk to me about where it's heading now? Because to be realistic, a lot of people don't read. A lot of people don't write themselves. And I'm talking overall, generally young people themselves. uh, Very rarely do they read, for instance, poetry or fiction. So can you talk to us about the engagement with literature and where it's heading from your perspective?
0: Okay. Um, I'd like to politely disagree. Let's do it. I I love it. Let's do it. All right. Um, I think it all really depends on the circle. And I think I am advantaged and disadvantaged in the point that the circle around me from the youth are readers and writers. Yeah. So when someone tells me their youth don't read and write, I'm like, who's around you? Who's your benchmark? Who are you actually judging on? Because the ones who are around sale, the community that like you guys mentioned, are readers, are writers, who continuously read and write, who continuously share what they read, who continuously share what they I was referring
2: to society at large, yeah, um, yeah. not the people within those literary That's circles. That's why I'm
0: telling you, because like, I'm disadvantaged and advantaged at the same time, because yeah. those are the people I look at. Uh, now, are, are people in general or the youth in general not reading? I think the problem of that is not that they don't read. I think whatever they read is not being captured. Yeah. So, for mm-hmm. instance, you go yeah. and say, oh, they don't read. And, okay, fine. What's you, what, what's your criteria? What, how are you measuring the fact that they're not reading? Or is mm-hmm. it just because you're not seeing them hold a book in public? I mean, like, how many things do you not do in public, but you do in the comfort of your home and from your phone? Mm. Um, you've got a lot of people who read continuous articles. Are you saying that that is not reading? You've got people who read uh, books on their phone or comics or whatever it is. All those are considered forms of reading. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: There's also another point as well is that just because people are not reading the classics does not mean they're not reading. Some people believe that if you're for example, if you are, you know, multilingual or bilingual, if you're reading in Arabic, you're not it doesn't count as reading. Or if you're reading in English it doesn't count as reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are ones who believe that if you're reading something modern it doesn't count as reading. You know, there's always those uh, this concept or the seared Absolutely. up of trashy novels even though at the end of the day it's a book if it makes you happy if you're enjoying it a book is a book yeah. you're still reading by the way at
0: that point is very important because a lot of people would complain no whatever they're reading is like like you literally like I'm going to quote you so I'm not labeling them I'm quoting you <laughs> uh, the trashy books or yeah. the, the the ones who are not exactly the best or the creme de la creme right? Yeah. So a lot of people would say they're not reading because if that's what they're reading we'd rather they don't read and I'm like I'm sorry that's privileged for you to say that mm-hmm. like you can't you can't come in and say that because for me how I look at it is that they start reading that trash now they will develop their skill they will develop their taste eventually they're going to rise up but you can't expect them to jump into Shakespeare or jump into Chimamanda Ngozi for instance mm-hmm. or whoever are the good writers out there nowadays from, from nothing to that you can't won a marathon without practicing yeah. over and over and i think that's how reading is if it's for them trashy novels if it's for them articles if it's for them reading reading twitter feed whatever it is if it gets you into the reading mood and eventually you build on it
3: whatever it takes exactly it takes. and like i don't believe in the concept of guilty pleasure where someone would mm-hmm. come to you and be I like i love guilty pleasure I mean, <laughs> exactly they be like i l- like my guilty pleasure is romantic novels and I don't want like I don't want people to know if you enjoy it and if it's something that makes you happy then by all means it's not a guilty pleasure it's just a pleasure and again we are in an Arabic uh, speaking uh, part of the Arabic speaking world and Arabic is the mother tongue here and for a lot of people they can't just start off with like Aristotle and whatever they have to build themselves develop their language especially since like a huge part of what you deal with is youth so youth would still need to pick and choose and read so many random things in order to understand what they actually like in order for them to get into those deeper books. And even
0: until today I read a lot of diverse things. So for instance the the guilty pleasure concept for me is poetry books and contemporary fiction. Mm -hmm. So those are the things I would read between the heavy books to help me again jump on the speed reading wagon Mm -hmm. because when it's a heavy book it slows me down i don't know if everyone was with me it's like it slows me down like a book could take three weeks if not a month sometimes even two months as opposed to poetry book within a day or two Mm -hmm. and a fiction can take like a one week so whatever it is to help you balance your speed there's no shame in that. You can't just, yeah. oh my God, I have to just read philosophy books or I have to just read business books. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how it goes. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And preferences exist as well. Exactly. It's because you just, you found some passion, you found some love towards like those trashy novels. I feel like those... I forgot what they're called, the ones that are just pumped out of, like, just every two weeks, there's a new version, there's a new, uh, you know, sequel, there's another <laughs> yeah, sequel yeah. and whatnot. There's nothing wrong with that. You enjoy that. Yeah. You enjoy that genre, whether it's romance, uh, science fiction, fantasy, or if you like fiction and not fiction as well, you like the self-help motivational books, because I personally, I'm not a big fan of them, but I cannot go up and tell people, what are you reading? That does not count as reading. This is something I can learn uh, yeah. from life. Yeah. No, whatever you enjoy, you enjoy it because that's your preference.
0: Absolutely. It's like, I I think a lot of people like to judge people just because they like something that they don't personally like. Yeah. And I think we keep forgetting that everyone is different. And I think we Mm -hmm. keep forgetting that we need to respect people's differences. And just because it works for you and doesn't work for others doesn't mean it should be the same for the other. As
3: long as it's fun yeah. and you're expanding your mind and imagination, mm-hmm. it's reading. Don't let anyone tell as you otherwise. <laughs> it, matters.
2: it is uh, and like it, it, it is pretty interesting, I, the way that people are imposing about things, because you mentioned audiobooks as well, and a lot of people don't view that as quote-unquote reading. Mm. And interestingly, you also brought up articles and reading your Twitter, and those are that's reading as well. Mm. Um, I think people are somewhat critical of what they see, and of course, you could disagree with that. I don't feel that way myself, but they look at certain stuff that comes out as almost junk food Um, maybe a lot of self-help books for instance they promote this sort of consumerist vision of I just gotta keep buying these books they're gonna lead me nowhere I'm gonna believe something that may not happen Uh, I'm sort of all over the place here but there's a sense of certain stuff coming out that degrades the overall culture so to speak is that something you buy into or is it all okay let's do it
0: okay for instance a lot of the self-help books like you were saying yeah um like, for instance, I know some would love it, some would not, and I always try to ask people, when did you start reading self-help books? Yeah. Because, for instance, for instance, I'll give you an example that um, maybe now, uh, any, maybe now, people who would read Alchemist for Paulo Coelho would not appreciate it as people who've read it about 20 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have read it when I was in high school, uh, so you're talking about maybe 20 years ago. Um, and at that time, this kind of genre did not exist. So this was a new concept Like, oh, my God, what is this? And it just led us to more and more and more of reading into that. But now if you give me that material now, for me, I'm like, no, this is recycled content because I've already read that over and over in different forms. So it's just about what have you read before? Is this the first time for you into this genre? If it is, go and spoil yourself and do whatever you want. As many as possible, they drag you on, they become a spiral, whatever it is. You get out of it. You learn your whatever you need, and you grab. You get it. You get out of it. But you need to get into it because there's a lot of things that will go into your subconscious from there, and it will stay with you, and you start applying it in your life, whether you're like in, in a with
3: conscious or unconscious. Definitely. Yeah, and taste is not constant. It develops. That's it changes. The more things you experience, the more um, incidents that occur in your life, your taste is
1: obviously going to evolve and change.
0: Yeah, and if, you yeah. Don't, if it not if doesn't evolve, then something's wrong.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Iman. This has been a very, very Thank fun conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you for well, joining Thanks us. to
0: all of you guys. media, like, really, I've really enjoyed the conversation with all of absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank, you. Thank for you for so joining much. us for the, what is it, 100th time? time. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> we're going to see more of you, whether Thank it's you. a Pulse Studio or here. We'd
2: like to have you again, absolutely. Yes,
1: exactly. absolutely. Thank you so much. I'd love to be here again. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. We're going to be taking a short break. and we're not done, we do have the SIBF agenda coming up next, so stay tuned for that. <laughs>
3: Pulse. This is Pulse 95. Book adaptions. adaptions.
1: So of course we cannot let you go without telling you what is the agenda or what to look forward to today on the 5th of November and the schedule is incredibly packed today. We spoke about um, the genre of romance and how often... We call it trashy, or we think that it's not... um, Real reading. Not (laughs) real reading. However, today, uh, one of the speakers or the guests at Charge International Book Fair, Ravinder Singh, he speaks about how you've learned to write about romance. And if you missed it, he has several sessions. One of them called How I Became an Author. This is super important. We spoke about it before, how it's very hard to start writing. We even spoke about it with Iman Bin Sheba earlier. He also talks about technology and so much more.
2: So much more indeed, Aisha. And uh, you, in order to access uh, these online sessions, head over to sharjareeds.com That is Sharjareads.com. And uh, you're going to have access to a number of talks, sessions, workshops, and live interviews with some of the world's uh, greatest uh, or some of the world's most renowned uh, writers, authors, uh, social media figures, uh, business people, and many more. Uh, One of the sessions I'm looking forward to today is going to be taking place at 9 p.m. It's going to be with the author, Ahmed Murad. And uh, it's quite interesting. He's going to be talking about his writing journey. What are his influences? How did he start writing? How did he wind up on the bestseller list? Uh, He's also gonna talk about the difference between inspiration and plagiarism. He's gonna talk about books that affected him. And he's gonna talk about women in literature as well. So it's an all-encompassing talk, and it's uh, a glimpse into many of the talks that we're gonna be having as part of the Sharjah International Book Fair. Renowned authors coming in, talking about the craft, how they composed their books, and how they became as big as they did. So, uh, sharjareads.com is the place to go. And many more sessions as well. Uh, We know Prince E is going to be doing something today at 7 p.m. about approaching social dilemmas. Prince E is a well-known social media personality, known for his self-development content as well. Uh, His videos tend to go viral, so uh, that's going to be another one at 7pm.
3: And living in a technological age, there are also uh, sessions on social media. So we have an interesting session today by Zahid and he talks about developing an actionable and achievable social media strategy,
1: strategy. So
3: make sure you join us.
1: Yes, guys, if you missed out on any of this, make sure you check out our podcast that will be uploaded later on in the day and if you want to know more about what to look forward to again sharjareads.com is the place you need to be at and with that we bid you farewell and we join you next saturday the 7th of november we're going to be taking you through once more the sharjah international book fair here live in sharja expo center
0: the world reads from sharja live with aliya ahmed and aisha